walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the Pecom Podcast. Welcome back to the Pecom Podcast. This is Jeff Given. I have to thank uh, my my buddy Dan for his his congratulations to me as a Philadelphia Eagles football fan. Um, as of as of today, they are still undefeated. They beat the Steelers on Sunday, and it has been quite quite a ride to see them um, playing this well. And uh, you know, but as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. The way it goes is that the only thing we can focus on during a season such as this is when is it all going to go wrong? When when is the other boot going to drop? When's this whole thing going to fall apart? Because to be a Philadelphia sports fan is to be ready for disappointment. Uh, That's the way it usually goes. So today I want to talk about disappointment. Um, I want to talk about winning and losing, mostly mostly about losing. Uh, and, and because I have such a deep well to draw from when it comes to the experiences of losing, I think I think we'll make this a two-parter. So I, I think we'll split this up into two episodes. So when I'm with you again at the beginning of December, we'll dive a bit deeper into what I have found to be the, the gifts, the gifts and the benefits of losing and the, the good things that I think can be found there. Um, so today, I'd, I'd love to just share with you a story, a story from my childhood, uh, a story that involves me and my brother, and, uh, and then a, just a few side characters along the way. It also involves Mike Krzyzewski, the longtime men's basketball coach at Duke University, his name came up in the interview episode that I recorded with Peter, our church business manager. Um, so just you know, tying it all, tying it all together here. So let's travel back to my sophomore year in high school. It is spring break, and I'm on a ski trip with my church youth group in Telluride, Colorado, and as as beautiful as the setting is, as kind of magical the place and the experience, as excited as I am to be around my friends for this special week, what is most occupying my mind is the upcoming NCAA championship game between my all-time favorite Duke Blue Devils favorite college basketball team, and the Yukon Huskies. That is going to be the championship game um, for this season of March Madness. And I I should tell you that I may have been a bit overconfident. Um, Duke had um, 
I believe, not lost a single game up to that point. Maybe they had lost one game early in the season, um, but they were just on a tear. And uh, I was, you know, a young teenager and was just super excited and would t- wanted to tell uh, everybody that would listen about how great my team was and how dominating um, they would be. And so there was a lot of anticipation sort of leading up to this game because um, my, my friends and other people on the trip sort of knew how much I had built this up and uh, were sort of like, wow, what's, you know, what's going to happen? What's, what's Jeff going to be like during this game? A lot of those people had not uh, seen that sort of competitive spirit in me in that way, um, especially when, when viewing sports where, <laughs> like, what, are, what am I even competing at? I'm just sitting there watching. Um, so that's, that's the setup. We're heading into this championship game, and I've, I've sort of put all of this pressure on myself and on the team. Um, but let's go back a bit. So to, to kind of understand... Um, what I want to talk about here with with this story and why I want to share this, um, it's it's really a story about my brother um, more than it is a story about Duke basketball or even about me. Um, and so a little bit about my brother. We are 16 months apart in age. Uh, he, is, he is an older brother, but very close in age. And we grew up um, together like like really, like together, like just attached. Um, as soon as we were sort of old enough to be able to, we would walk home from school together. Uh, and my parents both worked a good amount of the time. And so we would just have these afternoons where we were playing around the house, playing video games, playing basketball outside. Um, and we just, we loved spending time together. But uh, what always sort of determined when that hangout time would end was inevitably some sort of fight that just the, the sheer amount of time we spent together, how competitive we were with each other. Um, we, we loved being around each other and we also uh, had moments where we felt like we just couldn't stand our sibling. Um, we knew how to push each other's buttons, we knew how to get in, un, under each other's skin. Um, and so we fought almost every single day. That's, that's not an exaggeration. Um, the people that knew us as kids growing up would be like, oh, you know, careful, careful going over to uh, Jeffrey and David's house once they, once they start competing with each other. It's going to lead to a fight. It gets ugly. Uh, you know, you don't want to hang out too long when, once that starts to go down. Anyway, that was our, our childhood relationship and um, very fraught but something sort of started to turn uh, in high school. So my sophomore year of high school, which is when this, this uh, ski trip took place, my brother was a senior. And as a senior, he could have chosen to, just like a, you know, a lot of his peers, sort of either at best ignore their annoying younger sibling um, or even worse, kind of ostracize them or... Um, or make them feel less than just, you know, it's like not the coolest thing to have your, um, your younger sibling kind of trailing you around when you are a senior in high school. Um, we already see, you know, a little of that from Easton, not, not poor treatment of a sister, but just that sense of like, man, it would be nice to just, just kind of have a little time to myself. Um, he, he recently asked us, he said, um, dad, do you remember when it was just you and me and mama? 
<laughs> implying here that this was a, a pre-Elton time of his life. So yeah, Barry, I remember that. Those are some good times. He said, yeah, I kind of liked it that way. Um, can we do that again? <laughs> and I, I promise he loves his sister. He is very sweet with her, but, but I get that. I get that sentiment of uh, a younger sibling isn't always the most welcome presence. Um, Elton is actually sitting with me right now, sitting on my lap while I record this story and doing her best to not grab the headphones off my head or touch the computer buttons. Um, yeah, she's, she's here with me. So this will be a little more of a, a casual telling. Um, so my brother didn't operate this way. He, he didn't ostracize me. He didn't make me feel um, left out. I, I didn't quite realize how unique this was at the time, um, but he would allow me to go to lunch with him and his friends. He would drive me. Um, he, you know, it was his responsibility to drive me to school every once in a while to soccer practice or piano lessons, but he did, he certainly did not have to bring me along, um, to lunch with his, uh, older friends, but it, it was just sort of the natural thing. I would just jump in the car. We'd go to lunch together. So that's, that's a little bit of our relationship sort of fighting and then, and then starting to maybe see a kind of a, a change in, in how we saw each other at this point in time. So we're back to jump back to the day of the NCAA men's basketball championship game. All the pressure I've built up and uh, we're in one of the cabins watching the game. Um, I was by myself for parts of it because not everyone was that interested in the game and so people would sort of come in and out but everyone started to get a sense of like where I was, where I was watching and so there was a small group watching with me and um, it was a truly exciting game, back and forth. Um, it's not what I expected. I kind of expected Duke to just blow this team out um, because of how stacked they were, how well they had been playing. Uh, four, four of their starters would go on uh, to the NBA the following year. Um, so I was, it was a little unsettling that this game was uh, closer, closer than I would have hoped. But I kept hoping kept sort of, I just knew, like, this is going to work out well. Yes, Elton? Hi, I love you. Do you want to hear the story about Uncle David? Okay, let's keep telling it, okay? So the game is progressing. It's tighter than I would like, kind of going back and forth. And we're now coming down to the, uh, the end of the second half, towards the end of the game. Duke is trailing, kind of scrambling. They're looking a little sloppy. UConn is just looking strong as ever. It's like they can't miss. Richard Hamilton is just firing shots from the baseline, and it seems like everything he touches is turning to gold. Uh, and I'm starting to get a little panicked, starting to get a little worried. And uh, as we near the end of this game, and there's sort of this realization that Duke may not win this thing, there are people that start to kind of filter their way, other students just kind of filtering their way, into the room where I'm watching and I realized um, they're, they're kind of there for the spectacle. It's sort of like, what is Jeff going to do if this team loses, this team that he had built up all season long? So they're just kind of watching the game, but also watching me. It comes down to a last second possession. Duke is trailing. My favorite play player, Trajan Langdon. <laughs> Gets the ball, bringing it up the court like he's going to hit this three. We're going to win the game. 
he slips, he falls, he loses possession of the ball, it bounces away from him, and the game is somehow over. And Duke, this fantastic opportunity, Duke has thrown it away. They have lost the championship, and I am shocked and then instantly tears just flood my face i had so much emotion invested in this team and in this game and in the season sort of like it felt like i had lost that i had failed to meet this challenge and as i sat there with my face in my hands shaking Still, people were kind of trickling in to see like, oh, man, is Jeff going to like freak out? Is he going to start screaming? And instead, what they walked into was just this kind of pathetic, sad, teary, slobbery mess. And nobody really knew what to do. Yeah, sweetie. I love you. Nobody really knew what to do, and uh, and I don't blame them. Like, what, what would you do with a friend or acquaintance who's found themselves in this state? It's kind of embarrassing. And so just as, as sort of silently as they had trickled in to watch this whole scene, they, they trickled back out just silently, kind of giving me that space. Um, and I sat there, and it, I could sort of sense that the room had emptied out, and it was just sitting in silence, still still crying, um, face in my hands, just sort of hunched over and not wanting to look up, not wanting to, not, not sure where to go or what to do. I just wanted this moment to, to just go away. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna try to share this part without without getting too worked up. But as I sat there, pretty sure that I was all, all alone. I felt the presence of someone sitting beside me. Just a silent arm uh, over my shoulders. Just sitting, sitting with me silently. Their arm around me. And I think I already knew who it was, but I kind of peeked down at the shoes <laughs> and saw those uh, those black Adidas Sambas that my my brother tended to wear back then. And I knew that David had found his way over to where I was watching. He would have known what uh, what state <laughs> that I probably was in, and he knew he didn't need to say anything he didn't need to try to reassure me that oh they'll 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 be back next year he, he just sat with me comforted me and just allowed me to be in that moment and 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 he just sort of held those emotions with me and the the embarrassment that i felt because it it still think is embarrassing to think about of like how it seems like an overreaction for me of you know watching a sports game and then having this level of kind of breakdown um but that embarrassment i felt just 
just melted away because because David knew that uh, that those feelings are just as big, can be just as big as as any other event that I would have experienced in life. That um, it affected me as deeply, um, whether that's silly or not. And as we we sat there, I don't know if it was right in that moment, but certainly soon after that I started to realize it was like this shedding of scales over my eyes to see my brother to see my brother for who he was this person of great quiet care and compassion a, a person who welcomed um friends and acquaintances and strangers, just this warm, welcoming presence. And he welcomed me. He welcomed his brother who would uh, take opportunities to try to make fun of him or try to get him worked up because that's what sometimes siblings do. He welcomed even me uh, into his life, into his group of friends. And I began to see uh, each of those lunches that he would drive me to as as these uh, these tiny miracles that it, it just hadn't occurred to me what a big deal that was. Um, and so I just felt this incredible gratitude. And, um, and actually just the last couple of years we've had uh, over the summer, we've, we've spent a weekend with, with my brother and with... Um, kind of that group of friends that would, would go to lunch together. They're all uh, his age, they're his peers, um, but I consider them just as much um, my, my good friends and I feel um, just as much a part of that group um, because David allowed that to be. He welcomed me into that, um, into that community and into that world and they're some of my, my dearest friends. So we're talking about winning and losing. <laughs> and we so often think that what we want is just always to win, whether it's an argument with our significant other or a, uh, a piece of trivia that we just think uh, we have the right answer to and we got to prove why we're correct. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> but it, there's this idea that we, we think that winning is what's gonna get us what we want. Winning will get us to the place we want to be. And so often we find that it is in the losing, in the failing, in the things falling apart, where the deepest healing where the depth of love is, is found and discovered and known. It's, it's so often in the losing where the good stuff is discovered and where the good stuff is, is tended to and brought to life in new ways. So I think um, next time I'm with you, we'll, we'll dive into the, uh, the scriptures and what 
um, what Paul has to say about about strength and weakness, what the <clears throat> letter to the Philippians tells us about. <laughs> yeah, Elton has found the uh, little egg shaker here on my desk. Can you hold the pen instead? Can you hold the pen and you can draw? Okay, so we'll also look at uh, what the letter to the Philippians tells us about, uh, about the Christ in Jesus who did not consider divine power something to be clinged to, but instead made himself nothing and gave himself fully to the ultimate loss, execution on a cross. I'll throw out a, a short quote for you here, a little teaser um, as we go that, that, that maybe we'll come back to next time. It speaks to the ways that sometimes even this Christian faith that, that is the example of laying ourselves down, laying down our pride, laying down our egos, laying down our, our perceived strength. Even this Christian faith has at points in history been hijacked by this other idea, this very opposite notion that it's all about winning. Winning uh, people, winning people to our side, winning arguments and debates about theology or the Bible, uh, winning the holy wars or culture wars or any other wars that we can create. So here's the quote. Uh, Franciscan friar Richard Rohr has said um, about, about this uncomfortable reality. When your only goal left is to win, your only great fear is losing. And that's a lot of fear. Let me say that again. He says, when, when your only goal left is to win, then your only great fear is losing. And that's a lot of fear. So let's, let's end here with an encouragement um, that, that if we can continue to find ways to welcome and even embrace the idea of losing, at least at times, then, then that great fear Richard speaks to really loses all of its power. So here's, here's what I'll be doing this season, uh, this football season, this, this season of life. Um, I will be noticing and yes, really enjoying these Philadelphia Eagles games um, as they just continue to win. It's, it's been uh, pretty astounding. Um, I'll continue to enjoy that because watching a group of players flourish together can be a beautiful thing to see. Uh, it can be a wondrous sight. And, and I plan to take full delight in that beauty. 
Uh, and I'll even hold out hope for one more miraculous Super Bowl. But, but, if it all falls apart and their season comes crashing down, I will ball. smile. Ball. You know, hold the ball? Yeah. yeah. Or if my daughter has a meltdown, <laughs> let's go either way. If my daughter has more meltdowns or the Eagles season comes crashing down around them, I will Dada. smile Dada. and I'll find where the Dada. life and the enjoyment is in that as well. And you can hold me to that. You can hold Elton to that too. <laughs> Go in peace.